Well, God bless you all. It is good to be here. Just got off of paternity leave, and uh, it's it's crazy that I've been spoken here in about three weeks, and that's the longest amount since uh, we started the church a year and a half ago. And so, anyways, I I want to introduce you to someone special, but she is late. She is only three weeks old, but she is late somehow, and so she sometimes takes a while to get ready, but thank you all for the love and the prayers and the support and the good meals and the gifts and gifts for Obi. It's been a, a crazy, sleep-deprived three weeks, and I, any, any new parents know what I'm talking about, or old parents, you're like, I don't miss those days. It's kind of like Obi keeps us up during the day, and Nala keeps us up during the night, and I I feel guilty even like complaining because I don't I don't feed the baby with my body. My wife does. And so she like has to be up. I'm just kind of up when she needs reinforcements, but uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited. Well, she's going to come in a little bit. And uh, speaking of this, we have had our house grow quite a bit. And uh, uh, we, we have a new daughter, so the Jiva family of four, but we've also had family in town. We've had a number of people from the church come and visit, bring us meals. We've had people like our guest speakers come and visit us. And, uh, you know, Andrew and Rachel and Georgie Jennings live downstairs. And uh, so we got a full house. But even so, we are so excited to invite someone new into our house. And it's like hard to imagine life without Nala already. And so we're starting a brand new series here at Kalos Church. It's called Full House. Anybody ever watch that show, Full House? Anybody ever watch Fuller House? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody love Fuller House like me? Anybody hate it like my wife does? She's like, don't ruin something that was so good. And uh, I, I kind of want to tie into this idea of Full House, and that's what this whole series is going to be about in the sermon. But on in, in three weeks, we have Easter. And so I want you to look at your chairs right now. And there's a little white card that says, let's celebrate Easter together. And we want to see this place filled with lives looking for hope, looking for the gospel, looking for Jesus, looking for love. And Christmas and Easter, these are our biggest services of the year as far as people visiting church for the very first time, many hearing the gospel for the very first time. And were, were any of us here at Christmas this last Christmas? And we, we had two services and both were completely packed. I mean, we didn't have enough chairs. We had to bring in all these extra chairs, still had people in all the booths. We had people standing in the back. And it was just a great experience, but a very packed experience. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but when I walk into a movie theater and every seat is packed, I'm not pumped about it. I'm not like, wow, the energy in this movie theater is going to be amazing. Every seat's filled. No, I'm like, I want my whole row to myself. I'm praying that nobody sits in front of me so I can secretly put my feet on that chair. Anybody with me? It's just a safe place. I know the things say don't put your feet on there, but I'm praying that nobody's there so that I can do that. And so for this very reason, the fact that we've been growing as a church, which I'm pumped about, and the fact that our Christmas was so packed this last Christmas, 
And uh, this is only the second time we're ever doing an Easter, but last year, Easter was our biggest service of the year. So we're expecting a lot of people. We're expecting God to do amazing things. We're expecting a lot of life change. And because of that, we have decided that we are going to have a third service for Easter, which is amazing. And so we're going to have a 945 service like we are right here. We're going to have an 1130 service like we usually have. And we're opening up a special third service just for Easter at 1.15 p.m. So if you have friends who like to sleep in a little bit or they, they are wanting to go to another church and then maybe visit us, they've always been curious, 1.15 is a great time for that. Amen. And so we are just so pleased that the parlor has allowed us to stay in here and they're opening up for us. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you, take that flyer and can we just really pray? that God would fill this house? Can we pray that we would reach people who are in need of hope and life and the gospel? And I believe that together we can continue to grow and make a difference and not have like one completely packed service, but we will have three healthily packed services. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's jump in today's message, and I'm going to read from Luke 14 as we begin this series called Full House. In Luke 14, it says, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table of Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and set out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Title of my message today is, how can we shut the door when there's room for more? Dear Father, I pray that you would just bless this word, the scripture to our ears, and we wouldn't just be hearers, but we'd be doers of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, hey, Ben, you can get off the stage because my daughter hasn't showed up, <laughs> but thank you so much for your services. God bless your ministry. Uh, so... Uh, for the last two years, I got a confession, another confession. I love starting my sermons off with these confessions. But there, there's been a lady in my life for the last two years. And my wife is a little jealous of her at times because I, I talk about her a lot. I consistently see her once a month. And I, I'm talking about my hairstylist. And uh, so don't be nervous. So my, my hairstylist, I, I, she's from Vietnam. Uh, she, she gets my hair really pretty. She gets me all made up. Like, this isn't natural. This takes a lot of work. You're probably like, you know, you're not that good looking. It, it's been a long journey to get here. And so uh, <laughs> she, she knows exactly what I want, the, the settings, how much talking I want or don't want. Uh, and, and she always makes room for me. I've become like her favorite customer. At least that's what she tells me. And uh, I... Uh, <laughs> 
every, every week we have something called Crash Course immediately after service where if you're wanting to learn more about the church or if you're wanting to get connected or involved, we invite you to come for free food. You can meet me and my wife who's also a pastor here and some of our team will help you not fall the, through the cracks. And so if you're looking for a church, uh, a community, if you want to know how to get involved or you're just wanting to learn what kind of church this is, come to Crash Course immediately after service. I'll be there. And we have, like, frequently asked questions, and I, I'm going to be honest. The, one of the top three questions that's asked in Crash Course is, Pradeep, where, where do you get your haircut? Like, who is your barber? And I, I'm, like, amazed at this question, but it, it is very, very consistent. And I'm even looking at people in this room who have asked me where I get my haircut. And you have, like, Rich there, you raising your hand. He's like, where did you get your haircut? And he literally went there, like, the next day, right? And now, look at this handsome man. That day, can we get Rich a round of applause? Like, look at that. Look at that. Just look at it. And, <laughs> and so this question has become so common that at first I'm, like, really eager to share about my stylist. I want her to get business. I want people to tell her that I sent, you know, all, all these people, and then maybe she'll hook me up with some free haircuts. She's like, man, I'm getting a lot of business through Pradeepin. But then... It became so common that throughout the years, I started to ask, or throughout the year of us as a church, I started to ask people, don't, don't share about my barber anymore. <laughs> like, because it's getting too busy. <laughs> there's, there's too many people there. And like, I don't want to wait in lines. I want to be her favorite customer. Like, I don't, don't want to be rushed in there. I want every hair cut individually. Like, God has every hair in my head counted, and so does she. And, and I, don't wanna, I don't want to lose that. So, like, hey, hey, Crash Course team, like, when people ask where Pradeepin, which is so weird, gets his hair cut, like, don't tell them. Be vague. Just say Washington. Like, because I want to preserve my experience with my lady, and I don't want to ruin it. And let's, let's be real. Let's be honest. When it comes to the church, when it comes to Kalos Church, I feel like we have this experience quite often. Oftentimes, when people come to Kalos, they say this, and I understand it. I get it. I like how small this church is. I came from a big church, and it was just, it was too big, it was too commercialized, it was, it was just a crowd, and I, I felt like I was just one of a mini number. I felt like I, I couldn't connect. I felt like I couldn't have a community. I couldn't belong, and it was just so hard. And so now here I am at Kalo's church because I like that it's small, and I just want it to stay small. And I feel like in the church, a lot of us are like I am with my barber. I like my experience. I like how things are. I don't want it to change. So I, I hope that nobody finds out about my barber, even though she wants more business, even though I would love for her to do very much, like, like make a lot of money, I'm still hesitant to spread the word because I don't want to change the culture. I don't want to change the experience. I don't want too many people involved. And that's why we have this series, Full House, especially as we ramp up to Easter, because I, I want to be very clear. We did not start a church in a comedy club so that we could say, let's just stay a small community and not let any outsiders in. Let's, let's just keep the gospel to ourselves. We didn't start a comedy club because we said, hey, we just want this to, to stay small forever, and we hope nobody finds out about Jesus. That is not our goal. That is not our ambition. And 
as I was studying for this message and, and even a little convicted because I'm going to be honest, I really love our community. I love the size of our church. But I, I feel like as I'm reading Luke 14, I'm getting a download or an understanding of what God's heart is for people. And uh, I was reading some statistics from this, this pollster community called the Barna uh, um, or a company or organization, and what they do is they conduct research across America with thousands of people. They partner with organizations, and they, they do research on Christianity and religion, and I found some statistics that, that really shocked me, especially when it comes to millennials. Um, according to the recent stats that just happened in 2018, they said 97% of millennials, this is just speaking about millennials, 97% think knowing Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to someone. Anybody have a good amen for that? Knowing Jesus, best thing. And I'm like, I'm like pumped about millennials that they pulled. 97%, these are Christians, think that knowing Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to someone. And then um, asking, do you feel equipped to share the gospel, millennials? And it said, millennials in particular feel equipped to share their faith with others. Others. And for instance, almost three quarters say they know how to respond when someone raises questions about faith. So about 73% would say, hey, uh, having a relationship with Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And 73% of millennials that they polled out of thousands said, I feel equipped to share my faith, especially when questions are raised. And here, here's where something really troubling occurs in their next question. Something that honestly really pains me and, and concerns me about the state of the church, something that honestly worries me and makes me pray a lot, and, and it says this. They ask, um, how many of you guys think it's a good idea to share your faith with people with the goal that they would have a relationship with Jesus and have the best thing that could ever happen according to 97% of you? And uh, 47% of millennials said that they think it is wrong to share faith. Half. Half of these Christian millennials, almost 100% said finding Jesus, starting a relationship with Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen in your life. Half said, I think it is wrong to share your faith with the goal that they convert to your faith. And to me, that, that really troubles my, my heart because I'm like, what about what Jesus said? <laughs> Like, like we as followers of Jesus, what, what about the Great Commission where Jesus says, like, go into all nations, like, every nation, and teach everything that I taught you, and, and make disciples, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Literally, the, the Great Commission, the final thing that Jesus asked us to do, the mission he sent us on, was to, to convert, to make disciples, to help people find faith in Jesus. And yet here in this poll, half of these Christians said it is wrong to share our faith. And if, if that's what our mentality is as a church, I, I just really feel a burden on my heart to say, let's, let's get on track with what Jesus says. Let's get on track with what the Bible says. And let's make sure that Kalos has a biblical understanding of what we are here gathered as Kalos Church to do. And, and let's be honest, our mission here has been very clear from the very beginning. Our goal is to make known the beauty of Jesus. Not to just appreciate the beauty of Jesus, not to just contemplate the beauty of Jesus, but to proclaim the beauty of Jesus to those who don't know 
have not experienced Jesus, are looking for answers, are looking for life and life abundantly, are addicted, are walking without guidance, feel like they lack purpose, don't understand why our families are crumbling apart, don't understand why some people seem to be walking in blessing, but for some reason I'm in a cycle of these addictions, I'm in a cycle of doing the things I don't want to do, I'm in a cycle of just feeling depressed and lonely, and I'm like, that's why we started a church because we believe Jesus is beautiful and when you see what he says when you hear what he says when you see what he does you're like I like Jesus I want that I want a life with Jesus and that is why we exist can I get a good amen I mean that's why we're here as Kalos Church to make known the beauty of Jesus but I want to be honest like sometimes we hear these messages in church go reach your friends go preach the gospel and we are like hold up hold up I am one of those people. I do like the size of Kalos Church. I like that we are small. I like that we aren't just like nameless faces. Like I actually know people. Like we're not just a friendly church, but we're a church of friends. And I, I want to say I'm right there with you. I love it too. I love the size of our church. I've heard statistics that churches around 200 have the happiest pastors because you still feel like you can connect with everybody and have this reality. And that's right around where we are on a normal Sunday, around 200. And uh, I, I I love where we are, and I, I want to be honest, I am afraid of losing our culture. I am afraid that people will just fall through the cracks. I am afraid that I won't know people's names and stories. I won't have, I won't be the person you call on to pray. I am afraid that you won't have this unhealthy dependence on me, and I will just fall through the cracks as a pastor. <laughs> you know, that is something, that is an insecurity I deal with at times. And so if you're like, I like the size of Kalos Church. I, I like the fact that I can know people. I like the fact that I feel like I have a community. I want to say that I am right there with you. But my heart is, God, what is your heart? God, what do you want to do? Why do we exist as a church? And so we're going to talk about this a little bit more. And I I just want to pose this question before us. When it comes to bringing people into Kalos Church, how can we close the door when there is room for more, more life change? more salvations, more people set free, more people experiencing freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so let's review this again. Luke 14, it says, here in a man, so Jesus is sitting with all these people, and he says, a man prepared a great banquet, like God's prepared this. It's kind of a a parable or an analogy, and he sends out his, his servants, and people are making excuses, like I just got married, I just bought some oxen, I just bought some land, and they're not showing up, and so they go back to the master, and they said, hey, we invited the people, but they're not coming. They are busy, and it says that the master, this is a representation of God, is furious. Why aren't people here I have so many good things for the people I'm inviting to my house. Why aren't they here? I want them. So what does he do? He says, servants, hey, you know what? Why don't we just hang out with each other? Like, there's enough food for us. We can eat it all, just us. Like, you've been serving. I know you've been serving in the house a long time. You've been moving tables. You've been, like, setting things up. You've been, you know, talking to people. You've been leading a small group. You've been going to crash course service. I know you're tired, so why don't we just take a break and we'll eat the food ourselves? Is that what he said? No. He is furious, and he says, all right, hold up. Go out into the highways. 
Go out into the fields. Go get the lame, the poor, the crippled, the people with the weird sexuality, the people with a religion that you're not comfortable with, the people that you're uncomfortable talking about because you're not sure what they're going to say, the people in the bad part of town, the people from a different ethnicity. He says, like, I don't want to just fill my house with the people I'm comfortable talking with. He says, go out, servants, and fill this house with the people that society has rejected. And I believe that that is our same call as the church today, that we carry the Father's agenda out as servants where we say, hey, I'm going to fill this house. I'm going to follow the orders. And like, we are the servants in this story. God has a heart to fill the house. And so I want to share three points, and I, I, I hope that this will encourage us and motivate us. But as, I, as we see that this master is obsessed with a full house, we see that the servants are given a job to do, and that we aren't supposed to disqualify people who can come into church, who can't come into church. We just invite them all. I want to start off by saying number one is this, God desires a full house. I just want to make that very clear. As I read the scriptures, God desires a full house. And so whereas we're like sometimes hesitant, like I am with my barber about a full house, that is not God's heart. He's saying there's always room for one more. How can we shut the door when there is room for more? And I I want you to see this picture, and uh, I believe that God hates this. Can you put up that picture? God's saying, I hate seeing churches this empty. What, there's only one person right here without, without a head. Who doesn't get why people are laughing right now? <laughs> These people are wearing camouflage so that they can't be seen. And the camouflage is so effective, it looks like it's empty. But let me bring a revelation to the Lord. Those are a lot of people. <laughs> it is not empty, but I thought there would be a little humor. Little humor. But I, I believe God desires a full house. And just like in the story, He hates it when it's empty. He hates it when the house is empty. In Luke 15, 1 through 7, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. First of all, I love this description of Jesus. I want this on my tombstone. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I love that. And uh, that's our Jesus. He doesn't want just the holy. He doesn't want people to have all their stuff together. No, the great physician, he likes seeing sick people. And this is our God. He desires a full house where we can reach people from normal parts of life, not just the sacred elect, but all of humanity. And uh, uh, let's be real. Like, we love that Jesus eats with sinners until our church is filled with too many of them. (laughs) when they don't know how to sing the songs right. They're not raising their hands right. They're clapping off beat. They're making my kids feel uncomfortable. We love that Jesus welcomes sinners and people from different political parties and backgrounds until they hang out with our kids, until they ruin the dynamics of our small friendship circle, until they talk too much during our small groups. Can I get a good amen? And uh, like, but this is Jesus. He says, 
they're, they're criticizing him that he welcomes sinners and eats with them. And I hope our church gets that criticism. Kalo's church, it's filled with sinners. It's filled with people who listen to secular music. Oh, my gosh. I hope that's our reputation. I heard that pastor quotes Ariana Grande way too much. Yeah, I hope that's our reputation. <laughs> then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the heart of the good shepherd. This is the heart of the father, that we would not just be happy about the people we have, but we're obsessed with the ones we don't. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. That is our God. And uh, I'm going to be honest, our God at times, yes, he's a generous God, but he's a, he's a jealous God, and he wants everybody he wants every corner of this earth. He wants all people. He wants all tongues, tribes, and nations. Jesus is after every single heart. I like this quote by Abraham Kuyper. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he says this. There's not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. I want it. I got it. That's our God. Another Ariana Grande quote. All right. That is our God. He wants it all. He wants your neighbors. He wants your friends. He wants your coworkers. He wants your family. He wants all of your hearts because he loves you. He created you. He knows that you will find fulfillment in him alone. That is our God. And so guess what? I'll stop inviting people to Kalos Church when God does. I'll stop sharing the gospel when God does because he is looking for the one that has left the 99. Amen. So God desires a full house. You know, I, I just love it. Like Derek, I don't know where Derek is, but the other week, I think you met the guy you're sitting next to in a bathroom at a bar, right? And you're like, hey, you have a good singing voice, right? And that's a super awkward conversation, Derek, to compliment a guy in the bathroom. Hey, you have, you have a good uh, singing voice. Want to come to church with me? And you're like, yeah. I'll bring my girlfriend. Thanks, man in the bathroom who, who compliments me. But Derek is like, there's always room for one more. I'll go to every urinal in Seattle if I have to. Because God desires a full house. Can I get a good amen? I love it. That's the heart of God. Go to the highways, the byways, the urinals. Reach them. Bring him into the house. I want a full house. You know, like, I have two kids now. And if I lose one kid, I'm not like, oh, good thing I have a replacement. No. God wants his house filled with all of his kids. All of his kids. How can we shut the door when there's room for one more? And on that note, Eli, will you play that music for me? Because I want to introduce you to someone very, very special. 
Our house is getting more and more full. And I wasn't going to go through the sermon without introducing you to someone very special. And her name is Nalabuli Life Jeeva Manoharan. But we call her Nala for short. Nala, come on up! Well, this is no lovely life. She was born just about three weeks ago. And this is Pastor Amrita, who is currently on maternity leave. And you can bring the music down. <laughs> but I like it when we bring new people into our house. How much more does God love it when we bring new people into his house? Amen. Well, anything you want to say, it doesn't have to be sermon related. I have missed you so much, and even just walking in today, I was just so excited to bring my baby girl into the house of the Lord. This is her very first time in church, and I never want to forget it, because this is an important, important place for her. So we just love you guys, and uh, we're here today. So good to see you. Awesome. Well, Nala, like, how, how many times have you come to Kalos? Like, how'd you hear about us? Have you got a crash course? Dad. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's give it up for Nala. <laughs> Thank you. Need a help? <laughs> Go in peace. Wow. I love a full house. I love that my house is filled with two, filled with two kids. Amen. Come on. And so I will keep sharing the gospel. I'll make room for more because God has made room for all of us in his heart. And I love that. I love that. All right. Number two, keeping the gospel secret is not an option. At Kalos Church, we will do anything short of sin to reach people. I don't care if it's embarrassing I don't care if it's awkward. I don't care if it makes me feel uncomfortable. We're going to reach people. That's why we started a church and a comedy club. A lot of people criticize us, especially Christians. Why do you have a church and a bar? Can you do that? Is that okay? We will do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. There are people who will never set foot in a traditional church building, but they'll come to the nightclub. They'll come to the bar. They'll come here. We prayed from the very beginning that people on Saturday night would drink so much that they would pass out on Saturday night and wake up in the presence of the Lord on Sunday morning. <laughs> Be safe! That was our prayer, amen? <laughs> and let's be honest, I, I want to reach people. I don't want just Christians in here. And and, and re to be real, we could probably grow a church faster, have a bigger church if we just focused on Christians. Hey, let's steal people from other church. Let's just transfer Christians from one church to another. But our, our goal isn't to just grow a big church. Our goal is to reach God's children. We are wanting to reach those who are the, the poor, the lame, the crippled, those who are far from God, and we want to bring them into the house of God. But sometimes we, we hold back because we, we don't know where to start or we are uncomfortable. Romans 1.16 says this, 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Everyone say everyone. Everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I I just want to camp out here. Like, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And and I I sometimes am ashamed of the gospel. All right? And I, I think many of us can relate to that. When we're at work and we, like, really want to reach our friends, but, like, what if I share this and it offends them? What if, what if I, I, I invite someone to church and they hate me for it? And so we, we hold back. We're ashamed. We don't want people to know that we might be one of those pushy Christians. We don't want people to even have a, a hint of the thought that we're one of those judgmental Christians. So we, we're just like, you know what? I'm just going to live a good life and maybe one day they will notice because I, I don't want to preach the gospel. I just want to live a good life. And maybe somehow, some way, they will notice. But I, I believe that the gospel is too important to just hope and wonder that they will ask the right questions one day. And so the, the servant says, I desire that my house is full. So he says, hey, go, go out into the highways and byways and, and smile a lot, show up on time, and, and laugh and be filled with joy. And then maybe my house will be filled. No, he does not say that. He says, the, the master says, I'm furious that my house is not filled. It's not full. So go out and urge people to come into the house. Compel people to come into the house. Go after them. Don't just hope that they notice that there's something different about you. I was only invited to church one time, and it worked. Before that, I was depressed. I was thinking about ending my life, and I looked at Christians, and I just thought they were better than me, that I was just a mistake and that I had no hope, and I was worthless, and some people just were not fit to be on this earth, so I might as well end it, and all those Christians, they're just better people than me. I never asked the right questions, so they never shared the gospel with me. I didn't get it. They lived their good lives, they had their friends, and I just thought I was an outsider. And let's be honest, many people are afraid to come into church because they don't think they're good enough. That tells me they notice how good you are. Just living a good life for me, didn't work. It wasn't until someone actually took the time to look me in the eye and say, hey, there's a banquet. Would you like to come eat with me? There's a banquet. And so that's why we say we will do anything short of sin to reach people. That's why we're having this third service for Easter. That's why we have an Easter bunny. We're not celebrating a bunny, but we'll use a bunny to glorify the lamb, okay? And so (laughs) that's why we have a photo booth. That's why we're giving free Easter baskets to every kid. I mean, come on. That's why we're giving out 100 free Uber passes, and we're going to equip you with that so you can bring your friends and be like, hey, you don't have a ride? All right, here's an uber pass you can use it why because we want to reach people and we will compel people we will urge people to come into the house of god but many times we're embarrassed we're ashamed i don't know why but when i go out to eat with someone this still happens literally every single time if they have a piece of food on their mouth i'm afraid to tell them anybody with me every time i have this internal conversation all right Everybody's making fun of them. We're all looking them at them. We're all thinking it. They got food on. Some of you have food on your mouth right now, and I'm afraid to tell you. 
And we're, we're all thinking it. We're all making fun. We're all making so much jokes, like saving some for later. <laughs> you know, we're all doing it. But now I'm afraid to tell them. Why are we afraid? Like, what if I offend them? What? What, what, what if I hurt their feelings? What if they don't like that I'm telling them? Like, who, who wouldn't want to know that there's food on their face? But in our mind, we're afraid. Am I, am I the only one who has these feelings? We're, like, hesitant to help people even though they want to be helped? Am I the only one? Okay. Okay. Good. Same with the gospel. Same with the gospel. There are people who would love to meet Jesus. There are people who would love to have hope. There are people who love to have life abundantly. There are people that, hey, they could, you know, do or not do with the whole Jesus thing. They're looking for a community of friends like us. And we're like, hey, join us. I don't care if your faith is taught or caught. Maybe you just need to be in a community where Jesus is lifted up. You know what? I, I, I went to church for years before I became a Christian. Why? Because people just loved me and accepted me as a friend. And uh, I, I don't know what holds you back from sharing the gospel, but I want to let you know that eventually people will thank you, just like they'll thank you for taking food off their mouth. They need it. And so number three, a lot of times we, we hold ourselves back because we don't think we're qualified, but I just want to encourage you with this. More than ability, God is looking for people with availability. You know, we, we think I have to have a seminary degree, I have to know all the right Bible verses, I have to be a Christian this many years before I can do this. Well, that's not true. God is just looking for people who are saying, hey, I'm your servant, I will go. In the story, the master wants to fill his house up for the banquet with people. He sends the servants out. The servants find people who are making all sorts of excuses, land, oxen, just got married. But I think if we told this story today, it wouldn't be the people outside making the excuses. It'd be the servants inside making the excuses. Hey, go fill my house. Bring them to Easter. Go share the gospel. Bring them to your house. Go help people make friends. Bring them to your small groups. And then we would say, God, I don't know. And we make the excuses. Well, I just, I just got married. I can't, I, can't, I can't do the Great Commission, God. I just, I, just, I just started a business. I just started a new job. I, I can't do that. Like, I just, I just don't have time. You know, I, I, can't, I can't advance your kingdom, God. I don't have the right words. I, I don't have the right pedigree. I, I don't know what to do. And we make excuse after excuse after excuse. Meanwhile, God's like, my kids are suffering, and I have this great banquet for them. Will someone please go get them? Will someone please bring them in? And I want to let you know, God can use you. God has already used us. Our first meeting about less than two years ago as Kalos Church was three people. And now look at this. This is only our first service. I mean, God is using us. You are reaching your friends. I mean, there's not a urinal Derek hasn't been to for the gospel. And I, I just, I don't want this to be condemning because... This is who we are, and we're already walking in it. This is who we are. But my fear is that we would lose our identity. But today, I just boldly proclaim, you know what? As Christians, 
Like the church just doesn't exist for us. But we are the church and we exist for the world. We will make known the beauty of Jesus. We will go where there is no light and we will shine brightly for Jesus. We will use words when we share the gospel. We will reach our co-workers and our friends and we will urge them to come into the house of God. Why? Because it's important to God. Why? Because God loves all his kids. Why? Because God leaves the 99 to go after the one. And guess what? So will we. So will we. This is who we are, making known the beauty of Jesus. And so we will go to the highways, the byways, the QVC online. I don't know how that works. The QFC. We will go to Fred Meyer. We will go to Trader Joe's. We will go to Whole Foods. We will go anywhere, any grocery store, any urinal for the gospel. (laughs) Can I get a good amen? Because it's who we are. So let's urge people to fill the house because God loves a full house. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share. And we as your people embrace your identity. That you were sent to the world, Jesus, on a great mission. In the same way you were sent, so you send us. And we are your servants. We're not going to make excuses anymore. No, because this is who we are. So, Lord, we just pray right now, use us. We're your servants. If you have orders, we accept. If you have a desire, we'll make it come true. We'll fill your house, Father. And, Lord, we pray that we keep the culture, that we wouldn't just be a crowd, but we would grow smaller as we grow larger, that we wouldn't just be a friendly church, just a bunch of people that don't know each other, but we would figure it out. We would navigate that challenge growing smaller as we grow larger, that we want to just be a friendly church, but a church of friends forever. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm pumped in. Before I get off the stage, uh, I want to share the gospel right now. Like, I realize that there are people here, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're not at that banquet. You, don't, you feel like you're on the outside looking in and you haven't been invited. And I want to let you know God's inviting you right now. And I'm his servant saying, hey, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you need a fresh start, if you need to surrender, if you are far from God and you want to be close, you want to be right standing with God, man, it's, the table is ready. The table's laid out. God's done all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is come. All you got to do is taste. All you have to do is see that the Lord is good. And so if you're like, Pastor Redeemer, would you pray for me? I want that. I want to pray for you. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads. But if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Redeemer, pray for me. I want a life with Jesus. I want to taste and see. I want life and life abundantly. I want to be, I want to be set free from darkness and depression and all these horrible things. And I, I just, I, I'm sick of leading my own life. I'm going to surrender to Jesus. I want to be at his table. If that's you on the count of three, would you raise your hand and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just lift it so I can see it and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's awesome. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Three hands. Four hands. Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. So proud of you for being bold enough to lift your hand. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, especially those of you who raise your hands. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I need you. All at the same time. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. 
thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give it up to Jesus? Come on.